welcome to the extras. Good to be with you. My name is Jack. And I'm Sam. We're back after a little bit of a break. It's been a while since our last episode, Sam. I think, what? It, yeah, a couple of, five, six, six, five, six weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's been a little while. Towards uh, the end of the Genesis series, I think was the, the last time we Yeah, that's right. This. And we had, had a great little break over the holidays with our, our student ministers and MTSs doing some teaching in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, I had a holiday. So did I, yeah. had a holiday. Fantastic. Uh, and now we're back sort of digging in, kicking off this uh, stuff in, in Romans, uh, which has been awesome. Yeah, it has been a wonderful start, hasn't it, to get back into this fantastic and mind-blowing exposition of the gospel and what God has done for us in Christ. Sam, can you give us a bit of a recap of what we've seen so far, particularly last Sunday, what were we looking at in yeah, Romans? Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, we're two weeks into our series in the book of Romans, and uh, on Sunday we were looking at uh, the back half of Romans chapter 5, and... Um, where Paul sort of lays out for us the sort of two heads of humanity, Adam and uh, Jesus Christ, as the sort of two representatives and sort of pitches it to us that, that we're, we're all in one of them uh, and uh, what happens to them will happen to us. So it's either in Adam where all have sinned and all die and face God's condemnation or in Christ where uh, all can, uh, by, by the gift of, of grace that comes through Jesus, we can be... Uh, made alive and um, and share in God's grace and and actually the, the language is, is quite it kind of soars to this crescendo in um, sort of verse uh, seventeen and again in verse twenty one where it speaks of us kind of reigning in life uh, or, or of grace reigning and, and it's sort of that grace just ultimately overcomes the power of sin and uh, and therefore it's a good thing to be connected to Jesus and have him as your re- representative. It really is, hey? Yeah, I appreciate yeah. your image of the, the two captains, you know? Yeah. The captain's call matters hugely for your fate, and we have That's it. a stark choice before us. We've had some great questions come in. Uh, yeah, big issues we're dealing with in this passage, death and sin and totally. what Christ has done about it. Yeah, really weighty things, and it's been very encouraging to hear people wrestling with them, and we've had some great questions come in. Yeah. So we'll get into them. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, to start with, there's a question that is, I guess, just kind of clarifying some of the terms in this passage. The question yeah. is, what is the difference, if any, between... The words sin, trespass, transgression, and iniquity. You've got a bunch of different yeah. kind of sinny type words going yeah. on in this passage. Sinny type yeah. words. What's, yeah. what's going on there? Yeah, um, uh, that, that, that's a great question. Good to be kind of uh, clear on your terms of reference. Um, yeah, I think sin is is your sort of um, catch-all term um, that, that that the scriptures use to sort of speak of anything to do with. Uh, the fact that we've all uh, missed the mark or, or fallen short of the glory of God. Um, and uh, I think it's the broadest of all the terms that, that the Bible uses just for, for rebellion against God, for, for not meeting his standard. Um, but then under that, there's a few sort of more specific words that talk about things. So um, this passage, Romans uh, 5, uh, uses the language of, of trespass in verse 18. So it talks about uh, consequently just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so one righteous act and, and um i think trespass there is a, is a sort of a subset if you like of of the sin word um, right. in that it refers to the crossing of a boundary so if god sets out a a rule um for adam it was uh, you can eat for in, from any tree in the garden but there, here's a boundary for you you must not eat from the this one tree that the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for if you eat from it you'll surely die there's a clear boundary put into place by uh, God and Adam crosses that boundary. He, he trespasses, um, breaks the command, um, and uh, and at that point is condemned as a sinner. And so, uh, I think that's where where that word uh, comes in. 
iniquity um, is is another word that the the scriptures use to to speak of sin. Yeah, iniquity um, is less about um, the breaking of a command, but more about the kind of the wickedness that that now that we are sinners with Adam, there is this. Uh, this dark heart or within us that that um, and and surely like I, I, you you'll have experienced that uh, Indeed, of, yeah. of being a, a human <laughs> that sometimes you you want uh, and and desire terrible things and you have dark thoughts and and uh, yeah I think that's the idea of of iniquity of, of 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 darkness and wickedness living within us and actually Paul's going to explore that in Romans chapter seven mm. um, and and the way in which. Um, these things kind of interact is that as, as a, as a boundary is laid out in the law, one of the things it does is it sort of fires up the iniquity within us, uh, that, that darkness, uh, and sinfulness within us, uh, that we would want to break and cross that, cross those boundaries and, and break the commands. So, um, yeah, and, and transgression, I think, is sort of lined up perhaps a little bit more down the down the trespass line. I think sure. those two are a little bit more um, closer in 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 meaning. It's the idea again of crossing uh, a, a boundary, transgressing a, a rule. Mm. Um, but I think that's the two ideas that sin is not just limited to to commandment uh, breaking or to rule breaking, but it's also a sense of just the 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 rebellion in our hearts as well that we, that we want wicked things. Yeah, it seems to me there's something quite significant in the fact there is that broad range of words. It's mm. not a, you know, sin is not just a flat, simple notion in the Bible. You have, yes. there's these external issues of crossing the boundary. There's these internal issues of, yes. you know, the corruption in your heart or yep. yeah, rebellion is another word you get. Like yeah, the, that's the, right. There's a, you know, we're rebels against the authority of God. That's exactly right. And, uh, and it all is sort of subsumed under that bigger category of, of sin, which is, I think, helpfully uh, understood as, as just falling short of God's glory. So God created us to, to be these glorious creatures living in life um, and relationship with him. And, and we've, we've missed that mark um, on all those different fronts. Yeah. All of that, I guess, really shows how great the problem is. Yeah. And makes us all the more great, grateful for the solution we have in Jesus. That's, it shows you just how, how key it is to not be found in Adam. Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, the problem of sin is vast. Yeah, indeed. We'll keep moving on. So yep. uh, our next question here, uh, we're looking at the verse 13 of chapter 5 now, which says, To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Mm. So the question is, yeah, what is that verse saying? What does it mean that uh, sin can be in the world, but it's not charged to anyone's account? You know, is it saying that sin doesn't count in some sense? Yeah. Can you help us unpack that verse a bit more? Yeah. Um, great, helpful question. Um, I think what is going on here is that uh, um, Paul is Paul is trying to make a point, um, which is fleshed out a little bit more in the following verse, uh, in verse 14, where you see that, that the big point that he's trying to make, which is that he says in 14, uh, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. And and there, I think you see what Paul's trying to get at here, which he's he's sort of preempting an objection, which people might say, well, okay, Adam had a command and he he broke it, sure, but what about everyone sort of after Adam, right up until Moses, when the when the, God's law was given, surely they can't be held accountable uh, for for because there was no rule to break, and so how can God say how can you say they're a sinner? And because that's Paul's point, he's trying to say that everyone's a sinner, um, and uh, Paul is saying, well. The fact that all died, uh, the fact that he says in verse 14, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. I think for Paul, that's indicative that sin is in fact a problem there. Um, 
sin still exists even in the absence of a sort of codified law. Um, and the question is, well, in what sense um, yeah. is it there? Um, he doesn't really expand on it here in, in chapter 5, but he has already alluded to the idea, I think, back in Romans chapter 2. Um, yeah, okay, you take so, us there. Yeah, Romans chapter 2, he, he's speaking of the, the how Jews and Gentiles alike uh, are kind of condemned before God and under God's judgment. And uh, he has this little sort of aside in, in uh, uh, Romans 2, 13, uh, to sort of 16 where he says actually it doesn't matter whether you've got the law or not for the Gentiles verse 14 it, it, even though they don't have the law they do by nature the things required by the law and they are a law for themselves even though they do not have the law they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them so so Paul picks up on three areas he says in our hearts in our conscience and in our thoughts mm. there's something within the human nature that knows God's ways um, even even without it uh, being codified in a mosaic law kind of sense, um, which yeah. is why so much of the culture of the world understands that that killing another human being is wrong and, and legislates against that and understands that um, certain acts of violence are wrong. We, we just have this natural sense uh, of right and wrong. And at times, Paul says for the Gentile, that sometimes accuses them and says, even you've sinned against your own conscience and your own thoughts. Other times even defends them. We, we do the right thing. We, we don't murder someone. Um, and so there is an, a natural sense in which we understand the justice of God. And I, and I take it that uh, Paul is, is alluding to that again in chapter 5 and saying, even though sin wasn't codified um, as clearly as it was when Moses came, um, they were still sinners, evidenced by the fact that they all died. Yeah. So there's no law. So there's no, it's not charged to your account in the sense that, you know, there's no charge sheet written up somewhere that says, here's the command you broke. Correct. But the fact that we have the law written on our hearts by nature, you know, mm. it's part of what God's woven into the world. That's right. Means that of course they were sinners. That's right. And you can tell because they died. That's right. And, and that's, that's Paul's big point yeah. here that in Adam all became sinners and all died. Yeah. Very helpful. Thank you. We'll keep going. So next question. Yeah. Uh, picking up on that, if we all sinned in Adam, yes. this question begins. Yep. We all died in Adam. Yep. How do we understand uh, a couple of other figures we see in the Bible? Mm. Uh, so Enoch in chapter 5 of Genesis yep. and Elijah in 2 Kings 2. The two things that links Enoch and Elijah is that they didn't die. They yeah. were taken by God. Yeah. And the question goes on to suggest... Is it because of their faithfulness and trust in God? Yep. And if so, then why did someone like Abraham, who believed the Lord and it was mm. credited to him as righteousness, why did he die? So yeah, yeah. Enoch and Elijah, they yeah. didn't die. What do we make of that? Nice. Yeah, look, great great to be reading in the details of the scriptures. Um, and, and that's right. Paul, Paul's argument here is that in Adam all die. It's, it's, uh, and then he says, well, and then we say, well, what about these two who didn't? Um, and I guess, I mean, I think it's right. The scripture says these two people were, were sort of taken away by God. Um Enoch, in particular, seems to be the the, the one that we we I mean, uh, they're both are both are key figures in the scriptures. But Enoch's this mysterious figure, and really, you get one little explanation about why it is. Um, I mean, Genesis tells you that he walked with God. That's sort of the the language you get. But in in Hebrews chapter eleven, you get a um, another reference to to Enoch um, and a bit more of an explanation. You get in uh, Hebrews eleven five by faith. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Mm. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then it goes on from there. Um, so Paul's point 
here is that, that Enoch and I take it Elijah also did not experience death in the way that, that all human beings will. They were sort of taken up. Which I, and, and in both instances, it's very clearly a God thing. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the text points to the fact that God came and did something unusual here. So at that point, you can almost say that this is the exception that proves the rule. Um, for if it was the case that people were just, you know, every now and again, just not dying for whatever reason and, mm. and continuing to live, um, you'd start thinking, well, hang on, did, did they all die? But the fact that in these two instances, God very clearly shows up and very clearly does something unusual... Um, yeah, proves the rule. Yeah, it's quite dramatic in the two kings instance. You have, you know, these yeah. fiery chariots. chariots the yeah, that's right. comes it's, and sucks Elijah up into the sky. That's right. It's very much a, a kind of um, what we call theophany and an appearance of God to do something dramatic um, in the same way that um, the fact that Jesus walked on water once doesn't prove that walking on water is a thing for all humans. It's, it's yeah. an exception that proves that you can't walk on water except by the power of God. And I, I think it's sort of similar here. Um, he, you will die except by the power of God. That being said, um, there are, there is another category of person in the, who's mentioned in the scriptures who, who actually won't die. And it's the, it's the Christians who are alive at the time of Jesus return. Yeah. Okay. And so one Thessalonians four, uh, picks up on this idea um, and, and actually says, here's, here's a way to encourage each other is to to know this great truth, which is that uh, w- when Jesus returns, uh, so it's 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, sort of verses 13 to, to 18, and uh, he, he says, um, verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then he says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And it's this idea of sort of being caught up, taken up um, uh, and transformed into glory to, to, to enjoy relationship with God. And I take it, uh, Enoch at one level um, and Elijah are, are sort of, they, they prefigure and look look forward to anticipate that that reality that is coming for those in Christ. Um, and it's a little little ray of hope, especially in the Enoch case, because you've got everyone just dying, 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 dying. And you think, man, creation is stuffed. And yeah. then you get this little hope of, except for Enoch who walked with God and was taken to bed. And you're like, oh, there's there's hope here. And I, and I think that's that's part of the point. Yeah, I mean, it might help us to just zero in on, you know, that phrase, in Adam all die. Mm. It doesn't seem to imply that literally every human being ever will die because we have two examples at least who haven't yes. tasted death and yes. there'll be a whole generation of Christ's people at the end yes. who won't taste death. Yeah. So what Yeah. What then do we make of in I, Adam all die? I take it me- it means that we are now all um, mortal. And, mm. and that's, that's if, you, if you look at the way that when God brings the curse upon Adam and Eve, that the, uh, curses, if you like, um, in, in Genesis chapter 3, what, what does he say? He, he uses the language of death, but then he says, um, you, you will return to dust for from the dust you were taken and to the dust you will return. And I take it he's, he's focusing on, on the mortality of, of human beings, yeah. um, that, that we are no longer able to live and keep on living with God as we were created to do. Um, that there will be an end to our days. And, and that's that's a good thing because actually having sinners who keep on <laughs> living and living and living is, would be a bad thing. You've got to cut that short. Yeah, that's point. right. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's focusing on the mortality of the human race now. Mm. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, which then is, um, 
I guess, undone by the work of Christ, uh, offering eternal life. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's these little rays of hope that death is not necessarily the end you have, but the, the vast majority of people will die. Yeah, that's and right. And Christ's the only one who He's can only live hope. life after that. Yeah, That's right. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll keep going. So yeah. uh, thinking still about Adam and, and sin, the question here is, if sin is natural to humans mm. and Adam is our representative, how did God create us at all? Since God can't be near sin, that's one thing the Bible says. Mm-hmm. You know, how could God and Adam and Eve dwell together in the garden if you know sin is something that's natural to even those first people? Yeah, great, great question, um, and good to try and sort of wrestle through what we know about God's holiness mm. um, and His His hatred of sin. Um, yeah. So, and how do, how do we roll that up? Um, the word natural there, I think is the word I want to just sort of dig into a little bit and try and think through. Um, I don't think Romans five is saying that sin was natural in that actually what Romans five says is that when, uh, Adam sinned verse 12, it says just as sin entered the world through one man, which I think points you to a, to a state prior to that where sin was not in the world. Yeah, sure. Um, and so actually, that's that's where we get this sense of of Adam and Eve dwelling in this kind of idyllic paradise with with God uh, in the Garden of Eden um, without sin, um, no no shame between themselves. They were naked and and felt no shame, so they were in right relationship. And together they they walk with and enjoy God's presence in the cool of the garden. Mm. Um, so and then what happens is um, there's a a decisive moment where where Adam rebels and and despite the command given to him he he um throws off god's authority and and becomes his own authority and at that point he becomes a sinner and sin enters into the world and then so and then from that point uh he is he is corrupted i guess if you like he's the image of god that that god has created him to to rule creation under him um he he's sort of no longer uh living up to that kind of uh, image of god that he that he was uh that he had and and now still bears the image of god and yet in a corrupted broken way um and so all who follow from him all of his offspring share in that corrupted broken image of god and so for adam he he did have a choice he could have not sinned um yeah okay let's Let's tease into that and mm. maybe we'll just summarize what we've said so far. So it's not that God made Adam as a sinner because, yes. of course, God is wholly good. There's nothing evil in him. He couldn't yes. create something evil. Yep. Sin has come after that. Mm. Uh, clearly, Adam was made with the capacity to sin, though. That was a possibility. Yes. And you're suggesting there's also another possibility that Adam didn't sin. So, yeah, well, yeah was it inevitable that uh, Adam fell? Well, uh, th- that's tricky. Um, no, in the sense that yeah, Adam could have not sinned. Uh, although we also know from from later in, in in the scriptures that actually God God knew how this was all going to go down. In fact, had a plan, um, it, it sort of an, anticipating Adam's sin and and uh, uh, sending his own son, and, and all of this was predestined before the creation of the world. So yeah, we, course, we, d- yeah. we do know in, in the sovereign plan of God. That this certainly wasn't a surprise to God, but mm. Adam uh, sort of wasn't forced to sin. No, no one pushed him into it. Yeah. Um, he, he he made a decision and then willingly chose to become a sinner. Um, uh, from there, though, all his descendants uh, shared now his broken nature, and uh, we we sin without choice at one level. That we have no no choice but to sin when, when, as we uh, are in Adam. Yeah. So Adam, at the start, he was able 
not to sin. Yeah. You know, in the grand purposes of God, that is what was going to happen. But yes. for him there, you know, just looking at his his human nature and what was going on in his heart, it yes. was a real possibility that he was going to be able to obey God's command and, yes. and not eat from the tree and, yep. and go on like that. Yep. It was not an impossible standard yeah. that God had set for him. Yeah. But what about for us now? Well, I think for us now in Adam, in, in sharing his fallenness and having sinned in him, um, we... we that that is not the case for us. Um, we will sin. We all do sin um, uh, as we share in the in the fallenness of Adam. Yeah. And so it is not possible for us not to sin. Yeah. Is so that a tricky sense? double negative there? Double yeah. negative. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not possible not to sin. Except, and and I'm, I mean, and I'm sort of getting into next week's passage a, a little bit here. Um, so, so the language that Romans use for this is that we are slaves to sin. Yeah. And it introduces yeah. this image of, of having a master um, and, and really being enslaved to sin. Um, and that is the case for all humans in Adam, mm. uh, that, that, that we, we share his rebellion and we live it out. We, we follow our captain out onto the field and we play willingly on his team. Yeah. Um, and until such time as we are set free and, and that slavery, that yoke of slavery is broken, um, which is a little bit the, the image that we've got in the backdrop of our, of our sermon series at the moment, yeah. which is that sort of broken change that are freed as slaves. Um, and uh, that, that at that point, the Christian, something changes profoundly for the Christian person that does, they, they, they will still sin, but they are now able not to sin. Yeah. Once you yep. once that yoke of slavery of, of being in Adam is broken, we move from being not able not to sin to being able not to sin. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will come back and kind of lay this out simply in a minute. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. So that that's quite a profound change. That yes, we we what was impossible. Yes. In Adam. Yes. Is actually made a possibility. That's right. And so, and, and actually it's a beautiful thought because what it means is that in that moment where you are tempted to sin. Uh, sometimes you feel, and your, your feelings will tell you, I've got no choice here, I'm just going to have to do this, I've just got to sin. And actually that's not the case. That's the case in Adam. Mm. Um, but in Christ, there is actually a way out. Um, you know, uh, we, we get in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, that, that um, w- when tempted, uh, you need to know that uh, there's no temp- temptation beyond what you can bet, and God always now provides a way out for it. Uh, for it in Christ because you can actually say no to it which you couldn't previously yeah we're going to get into that in a big way in Romans chapter 8 and hearing about how the the spirit of God is the power that enables us to actually pursue that godly life now that's it that's it yeah I'm excited for that yeah yeah so I guess to try and summarize that up um, Adam was able not to sin but he sinned and now all his descendants are not able not to sin except for those who've come into Christ and been freed from the power of sin Stay tuned for this week's sermon, where now you are you are able not to sin. Yep. And looking forward to glory, where one day we'll be not able to sin. Yeah. There you go. That's enough. See if it's a bit of a tongue twister, but you, it's actually a really helpful way to look at it. I yeah, think. yeah. Rewind that twenty seconds and just play it, play it a few times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the way. So we are now in this stage of uh, of being in Christ, um, where we've been set free and, and I don't want to go too far into it because that's where this, this week's sermon is going, but, uh, we are now, uh, freed from Adam and, uh, and therefore able not to sin. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for that. It's a really helpful summary, I think. Yeah. Good. We've got one more question. Great. Uh, let's get into the last one. Mm. This question, uh, two questions actually on the same kind of line. So yes. this one says, so Adam messed it up for us all. 
which I think is a pretty good summary. <laughs> yeah, that should be the title of my sermon. <laughs> yes. The question goes on. Uh, yeah. Do you think we will see Adam in heaven? Yeah. And someone's put in the converse question, is yeah. Adam in hell? Yeah, great, great questions. Um, uh, well, you want to weigh it up on, on what, what, is, what does Scripture say? Um, so on the one hand... Um, Things don't bode well for Adam. Um, his name—it'd be such, it'd be awful, wouldn't it? It'd be like in Jack Day, all die, and in Christ, all are made alive. It's not things are not look, looking good for Jack Day at that point. Yeah, that's that's a, a weighty charge. That's right. You you don't want your name sort of held up there, and that seems to be the sort of pattern through the New Testament. Um, you get the same thing. One Corinthians fifteen, um, this sort of Adam uh, and his realm, and Christ and his realm, um, and so he is sort of synonymous with with the fall of humanity. Um, and so, uh, that, that's, and that's a bad thing. Um, and as, as we read in, in our passage that in Adam, um, not only do all die, but that, but the language of condemnation comes up, um, in sort of, uh, the, the section in uh, verse, uh, 16, he says, um, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. And so, um, Adam is very much tied to, to that. Uh, idea of God's wrath and uh, so yeah it's it's kind of getting out of the blocks it's not looking good Um, and yet at the same time in the midst of that condemnation so if you go back to the condemnation in in Genesis 3 where where God comes and brings the curse upon the man and upon the woman and we start to see the consequences falling out uh, um, regarding God's sin um, you get this little ray of hope with Adam um, where, so, you know, he's gone through and uh, he's cursed the snake. And then he said to the woman that she'll have pain in childbearing. There'll be sort of uh, this broken relationship between her and her husband. And then goes to the man, the ground will be cursed. Uh, you'll, uh, you'll work will be cursed. And then, uh, then he says, uh, you'll die. You'll, you'll return to dust. Uh, but there's this little glimmer of hope uh, back with the serpent's curse, where it says that, um, that, the serpent's head will be crushed at uh, 315. Mm. Um, and, uh, while the serpent strikes the heel of the man and, yep. the, and the theologians call this the sort of proto gospel, the sort of the first little ray of hope that even while God is pronouncing his condemnation upon this first act of rebellion, he points to the fact that the serpent's head is going to be crushed by the offspring of this man. Um, yeah, there's this promise of victory. Yeah, a long way off. It's still a while away. Yeah, um, but from the line of Adam comes the Savior Jesus Christ. Um, and now we don't we don't get any sense of of Adam then sort of falling in repentance, and we, that's not recorded for us in mm. terms of uh, h- how. He goes, oh, good, yep, I'll have a saviour, thanks, God, you know, praise the sinner's prayer, and then, yeah. you know, that, that doesn't happen. Um, what, what does happen is that you read on with, with the, the children, um, the, the Cain and Abel sort of uh, thing. Adam then um, uh, has another child, fathers another child, Seth, who becomes the sort of the, 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 the next generation of the promise. And, and Genesis is all about tracing the, the line of promise um, as to who's going to be this serpent crusher. Um, that we're looking, we're always looking generation by generation, but we're sort of following the line of promise, which ultimately flows from Seth. So there's a little glimmer of hope with Adam's sort of fathering of Seth that, you know, um, he's trusting in the promise of God that, that there is hope to come. Um, so what do you, what do you make of that? Is, is he in heaven or is he in hell? I, I don't know is the, mm. is the short answer. Um, but I think I'd want to say that there is God, God is 
a God of grace, um, that even though he condemns sin in Adam, um, he also promises salvation and hope for uh, through Adam. Um, and so, yeah, and, and what God does with that, well, that's in God's court. Um, yeah, that's right. But yeah, beyond that, uh, I, I, I don't think I'm... I'm Willing to say much more than that. Yeah, and that's a that's a good place to to pause when you yeah. read the limit of what Scripture says. Yeah, I mean maybe one more thing to say. One other thing that fascinates me about these chapters is yes. I think you get a much more detailed picture of what's going to happen to Eve mm. than Adam. So Adam doesn't really say much after Genesis three, but Eve does. Yes, it's start of Genesis four where Eve gives birth to, to Cain, her yeah. first son. She says, with the help of the Lord, yeah. I brought forth a man. Yep. She says it later at the end of chapter 4, when uh, after her other son Abel dies, she mm. gives birth to, birth to Seth, saying, yes. God has granted me another child in place of Abel. You yeah. see this, yeah. this hint that Eve, in some sense, mm. walks mm. in the, the the knowledge of what God's doing. The, you know, yep. It doesn't say it's faith or trust, but I think that's that kind of thing going on. Yeah. And then you get this fascinating statement in 1 Timothy chapter 2 in the New Testament in an extremely difficult and complex passage. But one of the things it says at the end of 1 Timothy 2 is that Eve, the first woman, will be saved through childbirth. Yeah. And I think pointing back to that proto-gospel, the, yeah. the, the first woman, uh, the, the, the child that would be eventually born to her descendants is the one who will save yeah. her, seems to be the implication. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And so... Um, yep. I mean, as you mentioned, um, one Timothy two's, um, got, got some, um, you, you got to work hard with, with getting your head around it. Yeah. Um, but yes, that, that seems to be pointing back to the fact that, um, she becomes the mother of, of the line that from which the savior comes. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, these, these, these are good things to be thinking through. That's right. Yeah. That's probably about all we can say. I, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to be able to say categorically, yep, he's here. Um, but yeah, yeah that, that, that's the things that we've got to kind of weigh up, uh, on the evidence. Um, interesting. I mean, just, I don't know if we, just, just as one sort of side little thought, when we get to Romans eight, um, there is this sense in which, uh, there's a little exploration of how can we tell if other people are Christians or not. And, mm. uh, one of the things that, that Romans eight's going to tell us is that at the end of the day, the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Um, yeah. so I can know whether I'm a, in Christ, mm. um, and, uh, you can know whether you're in Christ, but very tricky to, to make calls on, on other people's, uh, unless scripture tells you, yeah. um, very hard to make calls on other people's standing in Christ. Indeed. Anyway. We're going to wrap it up there, I think. I think that's uh, a good place to end. Yeah, thanks for working through those questions with us. Yeah, and thanks for your work in Romans chapter 5. It's been a, a great blessing to us. Fantastic. Can you tell us what's next? Yeah. Where are we heading the next Sunday? Yep. Well, I think that the cool thing that we're, that, that um, Paul does here, he, he's uh, we were talking about this in our growth group last night, Paul is just always one step ahead. And so if you get to the end of one chapter and you think, so so where, where we end, ended last week is that even as um, sin increased when the law was added, um, God's grace just kept, kept trumping it. It was just better, stronger and more powerful and able to sort of wipe it away, which then sort of the, begs the perverse question. We think, well, sweet, if if, uh, if grace is just going to keep on going up, then maybe I can just get on with sinning and have a, have a great time in sin. And Paul's one step ahead and uh, he's ready to sort of tackle that question in terms of uh, being uh, saying no, yeah. <laughs> a big no, and uh, and exploring why, and it gets into this whole um, question about no longer being a slave to sin, but now being a slave to Christ, and that's where um, that's where we're going to get into in Romans chapter six with Dave uh, this Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a good week. We hope you can join us then. And thanks for tuning in to the extras. Fantastic. We'll catch you next time. Okay, see you later.